Hello and welcome to Sincerely Speaking. I am joined today by Chris D.T. Gordon, and I could not have found a more timely conversation to have as we near the end of the year than chatting with Chris. He actually and I, he and I actually connected through a common friend, and we had a prior conversation that was so enlightening and so awesome. I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Um, Chris, thank you for being with us today and for sharing your knowledge and your expertise. Marcy, thank you for having me here. Uh, you were right. When we talked earlier, I really enjoyed our conversation. So I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to this. And I know everybody listening and watching is going to get a lot of value out of it because of the person who you are and because of what you bring to the table. So again, I'm so excited for this conversation. There is an obvious lack of leadership in the world. Nations without effective governments, businesses unable to adapt to crisis and change, schools where adults are afraid of children, and families that have lost their standing as the foundation of society. Is there any hope? What can anyone do to change this grim outlook? This is Sincerely Speaking, and here we will explore how self-leadership and the pillars of clarity, communication, connection, and competence can ignite the fire of change one spark at a time. I am Marcia Amaro, and I welcome you to this open conversation here in Sincerely Speaking. But let's start by diving into how did you get to the point where you get to share your insights with people? What led you here? I know it's a long journey, but kind of maybe the condensed version. <laughs> Certainly. So the really, really condensed version is I scratched my hand. I almost died. I got better. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. <laughs> to expand it a little bit. In March eight in March of 2015, I was living my best life, I thought, with my wife Becky and our three young kids. I was a special education teacher for an online school, which is amazing. I know people only thought of online teaching being a pandemic thing, but this is my 11th year doing it. So I've been around a while. <laughs> Becky was a teacher here in our local high school in South Central Minnesota. And our kids were going to kindergarten and preschool. We were busy, but we loved it. One day, I helped Becky get our kids into the van because she would take the kids to preschool and school and then drive to her school. So I was flying my younger son, Seth, back and forth to our detached garage I scraped the back of my right hand on our garage wall. And to quote one of my favorite movie, movies of all time, tis but a scratch. <laughs> there was no blood coming out. So I figured, eh, fine, no worries. I put him in the car, into the car seat, buckled him in, kissed them all goodbye. And as they drove on their way, I went on my way back into the house to wash off my hand and start teaching. Three days later, I wake up and my arm, my right arm has a lacrosse ball sized bump on the elbow. I go to the urgent care clinic here in town. The doctor there said, well, it might be bursitis, which is an inflammation of the bursa sac in our joints. Mm -hmm. And Becky and I had gone bowling the night before with her colleagues. So I figured maybe I twisted something or torn something when I try to get that 7-10 split. Who knew? <laughs> so I kept an eye on it as the doctor suggested. But he probably wasn't expecting that bump 
to grow and grow and grow until the my right arm was three times the size of my left. Ooh. In comic book parlance, I like to say that I was the Incredible Hulk in mid-transformation. <laughs> but less angry and smashy, more sicky entirety. Yeah. Becky found a babysitter for the kids, and she drove me to the emergency room. They kept me overnight for observation because not only did I have a ginormous right arm, but I had also gone septic. Ooh. And that alone, as may you may know, can kill you. Yeah. Because, uh, for instance, you can have a poison coursing through your veins trying to fight off the infection or the foreign object that has invaded your body. But sepsis has a way of over-exaggerating things. So I stay overnight, and that the following morning, that attending doctor tells me something I will never forget, Marcy. Hmm. She said... Mr. Gordon, this is beyond us. We can do nothing more for you here. Where do you want to go? Well, I only live two hours from Rochester, Minnesota, which is the home of Mayo Clinic. So I told her Mayo, and it just happens to be the place where my parents, or Becky's parents, but I call them mom and dad too, Aww. they live. So I knew that Becky, the kids, and Max, the dog, would have a place to stay for the, I was sure, the two or three days this would take her to resolve itself. I mean, with my vast medical knowledge, I knew what I was talking about. So I called Becky, told her the details. As far as I knew, basically, I'm going to Mayo. They're flying me there. Pack up the kids and the dog. I'll see you there. They fly me to Mayo. And ambulance me to St. Mary's Hospital, which is the main hospital in the Mayo Clinic system. And it's there, Marcy, where they diagnosed me with necrotizing fasciitis, also known as flesh-eating bacteria. Scary, no matter how you say it. <laughs> yes. Scary in Latin and English. Oh, yeah. So they quickly get me into surgery and put me out for Five days, it turns out. The first surgery was to remove all the infected skin and tissue and bacteria from my body because if any part of that bacteria had remained, the whole process would just start again. Yeah. So they removed skin from the back of my right hand all the way through my arm up to the base of my neck down my sh down my chest, around my rib cage, and up through my back. Wow. When they removed that infected skin and tissue, they found that the infection had gone so far into my right arm that they were certain they would have to amputate. And this is not only this is not even talking about the fact that at that time, I had a 30% chance of survival. Oof. So I was unlikely to live. And if I were to live, I would be a southpaw. Luckily, though, not only did I live, but as you probably noticed, I still have the right arm because the occupational therapist who was in attendance for the surgery saw that I still had hand function. Mm. So... 
what they elected to do because they still needed a, an artery to connect it, you know, my hand to my arm. They removed a 15 inch by four inch flap of skin from my left thigh and placed it on my right hand and forearm. And, and since this is my thigh on my hand, I call this my thand. <laughs> Copyright pending. However, now I had a gaping hole in my leg. And I was and still am a runner. In fact, the week before I had gone into surgery, I had run a 5K in under 19 and a half minutes. So I ran a lot, which means I had big thigh muscles. They had to remove one of my quadricep muscles Oof. from my thigh because my legs were so mad, so huge. I want to say, I, know, I guess massive, but it <laughs> makes me sound like I'm a bodybuilder that they couldn't close the wound naturally. Mm. So they took out the muscle, the vastus lateralis, another Latin term, and then they installed knobs on either side of the wound and a Jacob's ladder, like a shoestring type contraption on the inside of the wound. So over time they could tighten the knobs mm. to close the wound. Wow. Now I still had all that exposed tissue and muscle on my upper right side. So they grabbed a skin graft harvester. Imagine a cheese slicer that had gone through a massive bodybuilding regimen. <laughs> Just this massive thing that they ran up and down my back and my thighs. Wow. So they can grab samples to put on my arm, shoulder, chest, and back. And a lot of that took place within that five days of coma, though some of it did take place afterwards. Hmm. When I did wake up from that coma, yeah, all the ne uh, necrotizing fasciitis, all that flesh eating bacteria was gone. But then I, but at that time, I was left with what I now call personal bacteria. Hmm questions and concerns and, and negativity that I had in my mind because of my new situation. Mm -hmm. For example, I was asking myself questions like, what was I going to be able to do with my new body when it fully recovered, if I fully re recovered? Yeah. At one time, doctors, doctors told me my lifetime goal for my arm is to be able to feed myself Hmm. with my arm. That was my lifetime goal. Wow. What was my mindset going to be like? What were my relationships going to be like with Becky, the kids, my family members and friends, our coworkers, neighbors, so on and so forth? How were we going to deal with this financially? Yeah. All these questions, Marcy, were in my head and I had no answers. Hmm. So I started going down a spiral of negativity and sadness and depression. Luckily though, I didn't have time to ruminate on those questions for long because Becky came to my rescue. <laughs> Early in my hospitalization during one of her daily visits, she stopped by and told me about all the kindness and you know acts of love that were thrust upon us in our time of need. 
our neighbors were shoveling our driveways and snow snow blowing our walkways. They were checking in on the house because when you live in a small town, the phrase flesh eating bacteria spreads as quickly as the bacteria itself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. People were stopping by Bill and Dee's house in Rochester to drop off toys and food. Some of my uh, colleagues from my online school, many of whom lived in the area, were stopping by to play with the kids. That's so cool. My brother from Michigan, my brother and I grew up in Michigan, and I'm not, I'm, I am required to do this. Whenever <laughs> you are from Michigan, you have to show them where you're from. Yes. So he lived, uh, we grew up in Flint. He, at the time, and still does, live in Muskegon. He flew from, he flew from, uh, uh, Grand Rapids, nearby Muskegon, to the Twin Cities, and then took a shuttle down to Rochester to stay for, for a week and a half, sometimes sleeping in the hospital hmm. overnight so he can get the latest news on my condition. Wow. And he also bought me an iPad so I had something to entertain myself in between surgeries and whatnot. Wow. A friend from Becky's. A friend of Becky's from high school started a GoFundMe account, which basically covered all of my lost wages that wow. were incurred from my hospitalization. I ended up missing an entire quarter of school mm. because of this. Wow. That's Becky amazing. told me all of these kinds, uh, all these acts of kindness and generosity. And I can almost physically feel that personal bacteria wash away. And I was left with what I now call the attitude of gratitude or tag for short. That's awesome. And what that consists of are three questions. What good things do I have in my life? Who do I appreciate? And, you know, why do I appreciate them? And what could I do to give others a reason to be grateful? And by answering that, those three questions, I now have found that not only has my gratitude and positivity increased, but also my resilience. Yeah. And so, yes, I have fully recovered. Yes, (laughs) I can do more with my right arm than just eat. (laughs) And I am now compelled to speak and to help others develop their own attitude of gratitude and increase their gratitude, positivity, and resilience so they can and overcome their challenges without having to spend two months in the hospital. That's awesome. So see, this is why I knew this conversation would be so timely since we're closing the year of Sincerely Speaking with this conversation because this is meant to be the most joyful time of the year and yet statistically it's the most stressful and the most negativity-filled time for most people, right? And they haven't even had flesh-eating bacteria (laughs) consuming their body. And I mean, I I mean that literally, right? Like we have so much going for us, right? And still, especially this time of year, all this negativity bubbles up. And I would like to unpack a little bit some of your story because there's so much richness in it. And the first thing that caught my attention was this idea of how quickly your life can shift, right? So it can shift in either direction. So how do we look at these shifts and do something, anything to keep them from going into the negative side of the scale and maybe tip the the scale more to the positive? Excellent question, Marcy. So 
the first question I asked myself was, what good things do I have in my life? Now, Marcy, when I ask you that question, what tends to pop into your mind? Oh, gosh, I have so much. I have my daughters. I have my job. I have my husband. I have my home. I have so much to be grateful for. <laughs> exactly. And I consider those the big things, you know, mm -hmm. family, friends, occupation, home, all. And those are, you know, that's fantastic. I love that people think of those things. Yeah. I did as well. But then I thought about what about the small things? What about those seemingly insignificant parts of our lives that actually bring us those daily doses of joy that get us through a tough day. Yeah. So I thought about, first of all, the show Daredevil on <laughs> Netflix. And it had just dropped while I was in the hospital. And my brother gave me that iPad. So I was able <laughs> to binge watch that show. And if you know anything about me, you know I'm a huge geek. I mean, I have... Deadpool and the Ninja Turtles behind me. I have a picture of Weird Al over here. <laughs> I'm wearing a Legend of Zelda Christmas sweater. I'm all about the geek. So Daredevil was right up my alley. I then thought about how fortunate I was to have the nurse's station right across the hall. Because, you know, I knew that, well, if I need anything, they'd be there within seconds. And in some cases, they were. Yeah. And then I thought about the hospital pizza. <laughs> Marcy, what is your relationship with hospital food? Uh, I haven't had much experience with it, to be honest. But from what I hear, it's not the most appetizing. <laughs> exactly. That's what people say. Well, I love the hospital pizza at St. Mary's. Ooh. Maybe it was because I hadn't had pizza for a month when I finally had it, but I just remember it being phenomenal. <laughs> and it always brings a smile to my face whenever I think about it or talk about it. And today, I do this on a daily basis. When I meet with my students online, I ask them, what is something good in your life? And many of them do pick, you know, the family, my mom, my home. Some kids will say my bones. <laughs> Some kids say water and I challenge them to think about and try to go small because you think about things like a door hinge. A door hinge is something we rarely think about unless you're a carpenter. Yeah. But when your door doesn't work, when that pin is out of the hinge and it's off kilter, you know, you can't get into that, get in and out of that room. Yeah. And so having a door hinge is, which is a simple machine any of us know from our science classes in elementary school that it does so much for us. Yeah. I think about charging cords. 15 years ago, a charging cord wouldn't have as much weight or as, as much importance as it does now, but we are always looking for a charging cord when our phone is below 10%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I think about my right armpit. Now, many people give me a weird look when I say that, but the reason is, is because skin grafts are non-porous, which yeah. means they don't sweat, which means I only have to use deodorant on my left armpit. You know how much money I've saved over the last seven and a half years by only using deodorant on my left armpit? 
No, I'm sure you've saved a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> but it's the fact that I can find humor and joy in the fact that, oh, I only have to use deodorant on one armpit and make a, a stick of deodorant last for six months. Yeah. And once in a while, I will, I'll be absent-minded. I'll, I'll do this. I'll, what, what am I doing? <laughs> has no reason to be there. And I've used my skin grafts for cosplay. I've, you know, I, I run often when I run races, I run without my shirt, not only to show people that you can be, you know, you could have scars and still operate at a high level. I usually finish pretty well for races you're usually in the top 10% or in the top three of rate of local races, but also because I, as again, skin grafts are non-porous, they don't sweat, which means my body heats up. So, you know, there's a bit of a yin and yang to it, but I still appreciate it. And the more you can look around you and find value in everyday things, the more you're going to find you have more to be happy about. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, it could be your mouse. I have a wireless mouse that coincidentally is held together by duct tape. <laughs> you know, an object that's held together by foreign objects is still working well. I wonder if I could relate with it. No. Nah. I think about, you know, my earbuds. I think about these scissors. I think about this duct tape. And I just don't happen to have these things just for me to lift these up. I've been using them for various projects. But the fact that I can find value in them, it makes me happier about the things that I already have Yeah. than wanting the things that I don't. Yeah. You know, what you just made is such a key distinction, I think, because we tend to, when we're thinking about the things that we get to be grateful for, right? Or the little miracles, if you want to call it that, that we live through every day of our lives. We tend to not see them because we're looking for the big. But if we can make that shift in the distinction and look for the little things, there are so many, infinite number of little things that we could be grateful for. And I think that that's such a key distinction to take with us, especially this time of year, right? Like maybe you don't have the money to buy the 75-inch screen TV, but maybe you have a 42-inch that's working well. Be grateful for the 42 inch, right? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a key distinction, I think. And one thing that you've mentioned uh, several times, actually two or three times already, is the power of the right questions. And I would like that to be our next topic of conversation. Um, how important is it to ask the right questions? And how do you find those questions in the moment of need? Well, when I were was thinking about these questions, Marcy, I was thinking about how can I not only develop, but maintain this positive mindset? And so with the first question, what good things do I have in my life? Well, I could, I could go on and on and on. And knowing that I will, I want to say I want to, I would, never run out of things to be thankful for because who knows how driven I am to find to you know to finish that list mm -hmm. but I have thousands maybe millions of things all around me I just have to look hard enough yeah. mm -hmm. but then the second question was who do I appreciate and why and when I asked myself that question again the big 
big groups coming to mind, family, friends, so on and so forth. But then I started thinking about, well, what about the nurses? And when I asked myself that, when I started considering the nurses, it was like a different level I reached because yes, they were professional. They're at the Mayo Clinic, they're top notch. But I was able to see not only the service they provide professionally, I was able to observe and appreciate the friendship they had given me. And that elevated my appreciation for them because I, it wasn't so much of a, you know, how can they serve me? It was how, you know, what kind of examples of love and friendship am I, am I being shown? Yeah. And a lot of times when we are so stuck in within our, within ourselves, we're always thinking, okay, what can this person do for me? And it's always a, at a base level. But when you look at things out of a, a note of a vision of appreciation, you see so much more. Absolutely. For example, when you are in the hospital for a long time, you often have this poster on your wall called the getting to know you poster. And they ask you various questions. One of the questions on my poster was favorite movie. Now, Marcy, I just showed you my Legend of Zelda Christmas sweater. I have the Ninja Turtles behind me. On my wedding ring, it says, I know in Arabesh, which is from oh. Star Wars. <laughs> and I quoted Money Python. <laughs> so you could probably guess what my favorite movie is. I don't know. <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Oh, really? <laughs> so, a little different from those other movies. Yeah. If you were of a certain age, you know exactly what kind of movie it is. But I love it on so many different levels. It, and I thought, what was a movie I could watch over and over again and not get sick of it? Blazing Saddles. <laughs> well, I, I had them put that on the poster. One Monday morning... Chris, the head nurse, ran into my room. She practically knocked over an IV stand. And she was stumbling over her words. She was excited for some reason. She said, Chris, I was at this garage sale this past weekend, and I saw this, and it reminded me of you, and here it is. She gave me a DVD copy of Blazing Saddles. That's so awesome. I'm just a part of her job. I'm an item on her to-do list. But the fact that she not only recognized that movie as my favorite movie, but also bought it for me, when she has all these other patients to take care of, makes that copy of Blazing Saddles one of my prized possessions. Absolutely. And if I didn't have that elevated sense of you know, of appreciation for what she did for me, I might have, you know, I, at most I might have looked at it and, okay, awesome. And not really appreciated it, but, but, you know, being able to view it from the mindset that I had, it just, I mean, it just blows me away sometimes when I think about, wow, and nurses do so much for yeah. everyone on Absolutely. a daily basis. 
And she thought of me out of everyone else she takes care of, recognized two words on a poster at a, you know, at a garage sale when she's probably buying something for, for a family member. It, it, it still blows me away that she she still bought it for me. That's so awesome. Now, as we approach the end of our time together and the end of the year, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, um, probably I'm willing to bet that most of the people, if not all the people listening to this or watching this, are not about to go through a traumatic experience like the one you did, right? But we can all improve our mindset and our attitude of gratitude. What would you recommend would be the best thing to do between now and the new years to start the new year with this newfound attitude? I have this to say, Marcy. Pass on perfection and go for greatness because we are inundated with visions of quote unquote perfection. Mm -hmm. We see models on billboards. We see shiny vehicles on in car commercials. But if you step back and look and think about it, how long did it take that model to get her hair and her makeup just right? And how long is it going to take before that car gets a dent or starts rusting. Yeah. Perfection is fleeting, if not outright futile. Yeah. And so many people are so fixated on perfection that they don't even start something because they're afraid of being imperfect. So whatever you do, I want you to pass on perfection and go for greatness. That's so awesome. I want you to pick a goal. A pick a challenging goal that will make you work for it, that you have to plan for. Then plan it out. Work backwards. Think about the end in mind first and set up the different steps you have to take to make that goal. Absolutely. And then finally, practice consistently and fervently. Because when you set up that schedule and you start practicing, you have when you develop that consistency, that's going to carry you not only through the good days, but also through the tough times, through the bad days when you might want to quit, when it seems like you're not getting anywhere. It's uh, it's funny when my brother and I were growing up, we would go to these sand dunes in northern Michigan. I got to show you again. <laughs> called the Sweet Bear Sand Dunes, and there was what's called the Dune Walk. The dune walk was about two miles from the parking lot to Lake Michigan. Okay. And as you're taking the walk, you would see people, you know, co you know, coming over the the hill, and and then you they would ask, "How far is it to the to the lake?" And my brother and I, coming back from the lake, would always joke, "Oh, just over that dune, just <laughs> over that hill." And they'd get, and we'd hear people get to the top of the hill, they'd crest it and yell back, you liar! And we kind of laugh and, you know, it, we weren't trying to be mean, we are just, just having fun. Yeah. But you always have to have that mindset of just over that hill. Yeah. You might not make it to the lake just over that hill, but you will be closer. Yeah. And so I say pass on perfection and go for greatness because... You might reach a point of greatness that or perfection that is fleeting. You know, you you might get a three hundred in bowling, or you might 
you know, pitch a, a perfect game, 27 strikeouts. That might happen once in a while. But with that diligence and that per- consistency, you will always be great. That is so awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. As I expected, this has been such a value-filled, amazing conversation and so fun as well. So thank you again for your time. But before we let you go, please let us know how anybody interested in working with you, learning more about what you do, you're a speaker, so maybe a speaking engagement or anything like that. How can they get a hold of you? And what would you like to share with us? Excellent. Well, I try to keep it easy. My website is chrisdtgordon.com. You can go there to find out how I serve schools. I also have a certain we- a section, uh, a separate website called chrisdtgordon.biz where I serve businesses. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram at chrisdtgordon. And I also have a, we- a podcast called Scar Bearers where I uh, share with people Uh, others tales of trial and triumph and you can find that on youtube at guess it chris (laughs) dt gordon awesome 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 well go definitely check out everything that he has to offer and go check out everything on his website and his youtube channel i definitely recommend following his podcast and his youtube channel he has some amazing things to share in there and he always brings the best guests too so (laughs) you will get value from a lot of sources if you follow him so once again chris Thank you so much for helping me wrap up the year in a value-filled, positive, and great (laughs) attitude-filled conversation. And uh, thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Marcy. I greatly appreciate the the, uh, opportunity, and I wish you the best 2023 possible. You too. Thank you.